on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. PN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Rome, tapping at Mohawk Valley, great to have you on board, you can listen online, ESPNSyracuse.com, you can listen on the ESPN app, that is a great way to listen to this program, this radio station, because wherever you go, we go with you, you download the app, you find the listen tab, they're on the listen tab. You find ESPN Syracuse, and away you go, my friends. 437-7644 is the phone number, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. That is how you get in touch with the program today. We'd love to hear from you. We have two guests joining us today, coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Had a chance to uh, catch up with... Uh, ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis. He'll join us on the program today. We certainly discuss Syracuse and the ACC. Huge matchup coming up Saturday between Virginia and Duke, the best offensive team in the country, the best defensive team in the country. Trey Young, one and done issues in college basketball. Jay's been also very outspoken and I think has a great perspective on the Michigan State situation and how the NCAA should just pretty much stay away from that. So we will talk to Jay Billis later in the program, 5 o'clock. It is Thursday. Every Thursday on the block, we speak with Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim, and that is presented by Skinny Atlas Jewelry. So we will hear what the head coach has to say later in the show on this program. We'll also listen back to some things that Jim said last night following Syracuse's win over Boston College. So that is on the way. Our guests, hot takes to come. No take hotter today, baby, than the return of the XFL. Vince McMahon making it official. I actually listened to a good part of this today. It was was kind of a surreal experience. Very low-key Vince McMahon, by the way. Not the brash Mr. McMahon from the uh, WWE. Just uh, Vince McMahon on a conference call, but he was... Like it was like this weird digital studio. I say Vince is Vince is getting older. I'll, I'll just kind of say that. And it was he just taking questions from reporters. So we know that the XFL is coming back. He says it's going to be more family friendly. It will not be at all associated with WWE. It's not going to be like 
you know, the old XFL, when they flat out promoted violence and their game would be, you know, faster and harder hitting and cheerleaders in their skimpy outfits. And, you know, just think of, you know, the endearing image of the XFL. It's what? He hate me, right? Well, Vin says this is going to be a little different. It will start in 2020, more football. It'll play after the Super Bowl. It's going to be a winter league, according to Vince. So certainly a warm-weather cities will get franchises, or at least they'll target those warm-weather franchises. Or if you want to play in northern cities in February and March, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? So welcome back to the XFL. That's fantastic. That just makes me happy. It just makes me happy that they're going to give it another go. Johnny Manziel already tweeting that uh, he's in, by the way. I'm not, I'm not making that up. But Vince said that they were not going to allow players in their league that have any kind of criminal records. So I have, uh, I'm afraid that leaves uh, Jonathan Manziel, at least, on the outside looking in for now. So we'll have some fun with that later in the program. It's certainly uh, hoops on our mind and well, well, well. Syracuse basketball can shoot the ball a little bit. They can score five guys in double figures, shooting 60% from the field. Whoa. Slow down there, fellas. Don't want to, you know, pace yourself here. We got a month and a half to go here before we even start talking about postseasons and tournaments and all that stuff. Whoa. Pace yourself, baby. Here's Jim Beheim on the offensive explosion. I thought the difference in in this game was our offense. We we, we moved the ball. We obviously we made shots in the first half, um, but we had good movement in the second half. Uh, I thought we really we didn't make some some outside shots, but we got to the basket. Uh, I thought we got the ball inside. Uh, Americ made a night, couple nice drives. Uh, we got the ball to Pascal a couple times inside. I, I thought that was good. You know, we started the game. We worked all week on making sure we guarded the three, and we gave them four straight threes to start the game. And that's just not good basketball. Uh, it's just not the way you're going to win games. Um, when you focus on one thing for two or three days, you should do better. After that start, they shot they shot uh, seven for uh, 19 from three, which we can we can live with. They're a very very good shooting three point team. Because they're a great three point shooting team, they start off with four straight threes. You saw the zone defense leak out a lot farther than you usually. Do. You know we've tried to do it. We just sometimes uh, do better job than others. You know their inside game, we were able to contain it, so we could come out a little bit. Robinson hurt us a little bit when he got in there, but uh, that's better than tough twos than easy threes. So that's something we've got to keep working on, get better. So it didn't start off well, but Syracuse shuts it down. 17 turnovers. They get 17 points off turnovers. No matter where you turned, someone was in double figures. The bad news was, of course, that Matthew Moyer went down with an ankle injury. So a team that was already 349th in the country in terms of of bench play that was already thin just got a little thinner. Now it didn't appear to be serious. Moyer will get reevaluated today if he hasn't already. Uh, You know how ankle injuries go. You just kind of have to let him heal. You play through him. You know, Saturday could be in question. We'll see how that goes. It's kind of a day-to-day thing. Coaches say that all the time. Well, he's day-to-day. Well, Moyer's kind of literally 
day to day. At Bayheim with the initial diagnosis last night. It's a sprained ankle. I don't know. It could be out for a little while. We'll see what uh, Jim has to say when we speak with him later today here on the block. He probably won't offer much more than that, but you know, they, maybe they don't know. And you know, you know how coaches are with injury information as it is. So in for Matthew Moyer comes Merrick Dolzhai. Merrick Dolzhai has clearly his best game in ACC play. Goes a perfect four for four from the field, a perfect four for four from the three-point line. He's made 10 straight free throws overall, hits the boards, and gave Syracuse what it needed, a little bit more on the offensive end. Everybody who walked out on that court last night got into double figures. Frank Howard came right out, you know, like shooting them out of a cannon, 16 points in the first half, ends up with 18 points. O'Shea Brissett, active shooting in the first half, and I don't think this is going to be a trend that will continue. I think this is more a case of the two teams that you've seen recently versus, you know, this is how he's going to be. But when you and I brought this up on yesterday's show that one thing I really hope to see going forward was that O'Shea Brissett it was more quality over quantity because when you looked at his shooting numbers, you know, it's five of fifteen, it's four of seventeen, it's he's taking a lot of shots, not hitting a lot of field goals, but getting to the free throw line. What happened last night, and it was the same thing against Pitt, took nine field goal attempts, two of three from three-point range, quality shots that were there. And he's right there. That The thing with O'Shea is you don't want to discourage him from being aggressive on the offensive end because he can get open, he can get shots, and he has the skill set where you watch him and you're just like, he's, he's right there. The talent is obvious. You want him to feel like he can shoot the ball and, and really be – you know, I say the third option. At times, he's, he's the second offensive option on this team if Frank or Tyus Battle are just not in the flow offensively, which obviously they were last night. So he has a great first half, tails off a little bit in the second half. Dolzhai's great. How about your boy Pascal Chukwu? If you had come up to me before the season and wanted to wager with me that at some point, any game, any time, even one of the, the, the non-conference games, that Pascal would play all 40 minutes of a basketball game. Not only would I have not taken that bet, I probably would have laughed at you, but he continues to get better, to improve, and it's not that Barama can't play right now. It's like, why do you want to take Pascal out when he's getting open, he's catching the ball, he's not getting into foul trouble, he's 6 of 7 from the field, he's throwing down big-time dunks out there. You know, I think he finished better, but, you know, there's more physical teams that he's got to be ready for, and he'll, he's going to going to have to keep making that adjustment, but he's he's making adjustments. He is making the adjustment. You see a more confident player, and look, that's Boston College out there. We mentioned that their interior play was not exactly some of the most intimidating in the ACC, but he needs to build reps and confidence and know that he can do it. He's been told to play a certain way, and he took a huge step for that last night. A long way to go, and February is a much tougher month for this team with Virginia and Duke and Carolina and Louisville and you know, you, you play this team again at Boston College, and they'll have this game on their mind for sure. But you need these steps. You, you have young players that need – it's almost like the combination – you can practice until your eyes bleed. You need real game experience to feel like you can do it. And that's what Syracuse got last night, a game they needed to win. They took care of business at home. They have beaten Pittsburgh. They have beaten Boston College. You've got to avoid slipping on a banana peel at Pitt on Saturday. 
Pitt gave NC State all they could handle last night. Losing by four. First ACC game for Pitt where they lost by less than double digits. So they're getting close to beating somebody. This was a close game between Syracuse and Pitt last week before the Orange finally pulled away in the second half of that game. So you don't want to be the team that loses to Pitt first, but they're going to beat somebody. And things do not go according to plan. We can say, well, you got to win these four games, and it's, well, you know, you can talk yourself in, into a false narrative there because that's just not how things work. It doesn't change what it would mean for Syracuse to get these wins that they need to get. Even things up at, they're three and four now. You beat Pitt, you're at four and four in conference play, and then you go into a much tougher stretch, at least having taken care of business after the one and four start, which prompted the head coach at one point to say, you know, who cares? that we were making too big a deal out of that record, and there was 13 games to go at that time, and a lot of basketball to be played to make up for that. Pitt and BC have so far checked that narrative and have checked that box, and Syracuse is gaining some confidence, although they are losing players. So they may have to go a little three-guard lineup at Pitt, and you, you see what you can do in getting by without Matthew Moyer, and you know the injuries are happening to players not that Matthew Moyer is not important, but you know you don't want to lose a Tyus Battle or a Frank Howard or a, a key player at this point, particularly players that score for you. Matthew Moyer is somebody like, okay, you can adjust the lineup to work around that. There are certain players that this team is so thin that if you lost them, it sinks your battleship because you can't replace them. In some cases, you literally cannot replace them because you don't have the players to do it. So we'll listen to a little bit more of what Jim Beheim had to say last night. We'll hear what Jim Beheim has to say on this show later. Plenty more on the Syracuse basketball front. Would love to hear from you at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Hot takes on the way. The return of the mighty XFL was announced by Vince McMahon today. That just makes me happy. It just does. I'm probably not going to watch much of it. It'll get all the hype and the buildup and the interest and the curiosity that the first one did. It'll probably go the way of the first one and people will watch for a couple of weeks and then we'll kind of just check out because at the end of the day, you're not going to find good enough football players. And Vince McMahon stressed that today, that this is about football and quality of play and a good league. And it's just, there's not enough football players out there to meet that standard. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. So we'll discuss that. So much to do. So little time. We'll come back and do it. Jay Billis later in the show. We got a lot to do, man. Hang in there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Let's get into it, kids. It's hot take time. Presented by our friends at Agway Energy Services. Make sure you go to agwayenergy.com and find out how you can get a $100 gift card. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do this thing, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Welcome back to the XFL. Oh, you got to love it. There's a little speculation about this. About a month ago, 
People noticed that uh, WWE and this new Alpha Entertainment company that Vince McMahon started with $100 million of his own money was trademarking football things, the XFL, and they were kind of securing trademarks or starting new trademarks. And people, you know, there was a couple of early reports that said, Vince McMahon's going to start a football league again. Like, this was happening. And then it happened for real today. Vince McMahon. Now, I actually spent like 20 minutes on this thing. I just happened to see the link, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. So was Vince doing like a teleconference with reporters, and he's in front of, it's like a digital screen, and it was the new XFL logo, which is now red, white, and blue. And it was low-key Vince. This was not Vince McMahon, you know, this is the XFL, or Vince, you know, in the ring. I'm not a wrestling fan, but I know enough about Vince McMahon, about, you know, Mr. McMahon and his character. And it was very low-key, and he was saying everybody's name. I, I almost called in just so he could say, hey, thanks for calling, Brent. Get Vince McMahon on tape saying that. It'd be fantastic. But so here's the thing. They don't know what cities they're going to go to. It's not going to be like the old XFL. I mean, guys, this is not that long ago. If you saw the 30 for 30 on the XFL, a lot of it made me cringe. I mean, they just were all about violence and hard hitting. Remember how they used to start games? They'd have two players like basically battle for the football almost like two lacrosse players going for it in the middle of the field and the, the the promos and the way that they hyped that league. It was really building the violence up and the hard hitting and, the, and, you know, the edge. And it's, you know, initially people tuned in just out of curiosity. And could this wrestling vibe work in football? In the 30 for 30 documentary on this was fascinating about a few things that stood out about the league and that you know what really hurt the XFL at the start and how different the world is now, even in 2018 versus 2001. They lost the national transmission on one of the games like they were off the air for 45 minutes. And it turned out to be one of the best actual football games the league's ever had. And no one saw it because they lost NBC lost the feed like I'm getting all technical on you here, really going inside baseball. But as the ratings dropped, Vince went to what he knew, and he started doing wrestling gimmicks. And we're going to bring you in the locker room with the cheerleaders. And then, you know, by the time everybody realized this football is ridiculous, the league folded after a year. But at the end of that documentary, it was Vic, uh, Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol, and they're kind of sitting around, Dick Ebersol from NBC Sports. Remember, NBC was a partner in this. This is when the NBC didn't have the NFL. And he said, would you want to do it again? And Vince is flat out says there, yes, I want to do this again. So the message you put out there today was they don't know what cities they're going to be in. They're really going to listen to the fans. No politics, no social activism. Everybody stands for the anthem. So, you know, kind of tapping into current events there. He said no players with criminal records will be allowed in his league. And I'm just like, well, if you're going to push, like this is an actual football league, because at least last time they made no bones about the fact that the XFL was about entertainment. And it was just this fusion of wrestling and football, and it was the alternative, and the X in the XFL was the anti-NFL. This time, at least what Vince said initially today, was 
no, we want this to be real football. We want this to be, he kept using the word quality football. And, and I say this as the senior bowl is on my screen in studio here. Where are you going to get the players? Because the best of the best are going to play in the NFL. This league, what we did find out today is that it's going to be a February through however long the season is. It's going to be a winter league from February into spring. Okay. Well, between college football, the NFL, arena football, the CFL, and a couple other leagues, where are you going to get the players? Where are you going to get the quality players to compete with the National Football League? Many have tried. They've all failed. you got two years to figure this out. I'll tell you what, though. I'm as intrigued as anybody how they're going to do it, who they're going to get, who are the stars. Now, he said they're not going to sign people with criminal records, so that would technically leave Johnny Manziel out because he's run into some trouble with the law. But, you know, what about your boy Tebow? He going to be around in two years? You mentioned Tim Tebow and the refurbished family-friendly XFL. I mean, they once said they wanted to make Vegas family-friendly, and they found out that didn't go so well. So maybe the XFL says there was a conspiracy theory out there. This is basically Vince's way of like he wants to own an NFL team and this is kind of his roundabout way into doing it. I don't think so. I think Vince is fine doing what he's doing. The guy's made billions doing wrestling. He's putting $100 million of his own money into this. So if anything, it's intriguing. It's And here's, look, for all the people that kind of roll their eyes and, oh, he hate me and all these things about what the old XFL was. As much as the NFL dominates the sports landscape today, there is enough disenchantment with the league, enough people pissed off about the anthem protests, the quality of football, the the officiating, and some things that people have complained about, that enough people will at least give this new league a try. But it's not during the NFL season. It's not even a competitor, Right. So you're not even hurting the NFL product in a sense. And as much as we you know, whine and moan about the NFL, the football, when it's great, is great. Think of that Vikings play against the Saints. And think of the great games that we've seen in the playoffs. When football is great, there's nothing like it. The XFL won't be able to touch that. They just won't have the players. So if you want to do XFL 2.0 and make it about sports entertainment and he hate me and all that stuff again in the 2018 version of that, then I'm in. If you're just saying we're going to have another football league, I don't know how long you're going to hold my attention or many people's attention for that matter. But it's back, baby. That's hot. And in this, remember 2001, social media wasn't around, streaming, Facebook, Twitter, you know, they had to make a deal with NBC then. Vince has his own WWE network. They can get this out there. They can distribute it. People can find it. You don't need a broadcast partner. So that's where he may have an edge here. That's where he may get this thing out there. He can kind of build the system and, and do it his own way. If anything, if you want to look at it from a different perspective, it might be the right time to do it. Let's take a couple phone calls here before we uh, take a break here from Jay Billis, top of the hour, Jim Beheim next hour. My man, Stefan, in Utica, on the block, ESPN Radio. What's up, Stefan? Well, hello, X. What's happening, Stefan? What's on your mind today, pal? Well, uh, today, uh, Tiger Woods returned to 
to uh, PGA Competitive Golf in San Diego, California. That's where San Diego is. I should write that down. Good to know. Yes, he did. Are you excited about that, Stefan? Yes, I am, because I'm I'm wondering uh, how he... How golf is going to be like with him playing against Jordan Spieth and the young guys these days, and what it's going to be like with Tiger uh, in the tournaments again. Well, it's funny we're talking about all these comebacks today, right? Because in 2000, 2001 was when Tiger was at his peak. That's how long ago that was. You know, Tiger came on the scene in 1997 with that unbelievable win at the Masters. It was that long ago. Dominated golf, but 2000, 2001, 2002, that run through there when he was winning majors left and right and redefining golf and rewriting the the rules of the sport and they had the tiger-proof the courses and how everybody just kind of flipped out. That's when Tiger was at his peak. Right around then, right when the XFL was happening. Everything I've heard so far, and Tiger will always have a certain hold on the audience that they, out of curiosity, they will watch to see how he's doing. Everything I've heard, everything I've seen is that he's pain-free. He's finally gone through all the medical procedures he needs to. People that have played with him have been in awe of how long he's hitting the ball, how flexible he is. And remember, Tiger's, what, 40? I I, Boys, can we look up how old Tiger Woods is? I don't know off the top of my head, but obviously he's you because Stefan brought up Jordan Spieth and you know all these all the, you're not going to keep up with Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson and all these guys. But the beauty of golf is, I mean, Jack Nicholas won the Masters at 46 years old. Tom Watson has competed at majors in recent years. If Tiger's back and Tiger's competitive. Golf is more interesting. And I understand that Spieth and Rory McIlroy and all these young players have put a certain life into the sport, and that is great. And I enjoy watching them as much as anybody. Tiger's 42 years old, though. 42 in golf. If he truly is healthy and has gone through the procedures he needed, he can win again. He's not going to dominate again, but he can win again. And I have maintained, and boy, I have come close to bailing on this prediction Because the one thing that could submarine this whole prediction was health. But I've always said he'll win another major. You watch. He will come along at some point, and I think it'll be the Masters. He will win another major. I don't think he's going to break Jack's record at this point. But I have maintained and held that line, and I've been mocked for it. But I will continue to say it until I am somehow definitively proven wrong. Tiger Woods is going to win another major because that's just what can happen in golf. Let's go to our boy, Scott. He's next on the block, ESPN Radio. What's happening, Scotty? Hey, Brent. What's going on, man? How are uh, you? Listen, I think Tiger's 42. I think I heard that yep, earlier. 42. We just looked that up. Thank you, sir. Correct. Um, the, the first thing is, uh, I just want to chime in on the XFL for a minute. Um, you know, I remember when Vince launched it the first time and I think that this time what he's probably going to do is it's probably going to land someplace in the middle of actual football and the WWE, not quite as extreme. And another thing too, is it's a time timing factor. If you can, if you can bring up even like decent serious competitive football games 
that are decent to watch, you know, because everybody gets bummed. The Super Bowl's over, the season's over, no football, everybody's going through withdrawal. And so then all of a sudden, bang, up pops the XFL for some good games. And if you can get some decent games, they don't really have to even, in the beginning, be as good as the NFL. I mean, I wouldn't expect it anyway. It's going to be a, a, another fresh start. But at the same time, I think that's what, I know, in other words, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, the American team versus the Russian. Team. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be quite that bad, but um, I think it might be pretty decent because I think Vince probably learned from the first time, went too far with something, too much of anything, and people just didn't take it seriously, man. People, I think Vince got, got confused that people, wrestling they know is entertainment, but they don't want football. When people want football, they take their football seriously. They do. And you Vince, know, not- yeah, Vince said that today, Scott, that you know we're going to listen to the fans, we're going to listen to people. People brought up concussions and he said, we're going to listen to doctors. How can we make our, our sports safer? He seems to be leaning a heck of a lot more on the football side of things this time, which, you know, between the two and, and thanks for the call as always, Scott. Scott just said it. People didn't take you seriously the first time. We tuned in because it was, you know, we were laughing at you, not with you. And all the wacky names on the back. And I remember they had the Memphis Maniacs, and one of the logos said Axe. So I I, I think I still have this hat somewhere in a closet. Like, I played along for a while because it was funny. But after a while, you're like, okay, this is just stupid. Can Vince find a happy medium now? Look, say all you want. Vince McMahon is one of the smartest people in sports, entertainment, sports, you name it. Look at the empire that man has built. Okay, I don't doubt Vince McMahon. I respect what he has done. I don't respect everything about Vince McMahon, but the, the results speak for themselves, what he has tapped into and the loyal following he has for the WWE. But everything he's laid out early, and remember, this is only the beginning, and this isn't even happening for another two years, He seems pretty serious this time. We're going to take our time. We're going to listen. We're going to plan this. We're going to be careful about it. There's money behind it. They're not going to try and compete with the NFL initially, which is smart. That's what sunk the USFL. And by the way, you know, yay democracy. Yay democracy. Donald Trump sunk the USFL, which for a while there was actually making some inroads because he wanted to move it and go head-to-head with the National Football League. You cannot do that. But can you go head-to-head with what, what's on my TV screen right now? Senior Bowl coverage, NFL draft coverage, free agency. The NFL will not like that. The NFL prides itself being a 12-month-a-year sport now when there's only actual football played for five of it. And Vince kept saying that today. I, I listened in on this teleconference. There are seven months without football on the gridiron. And he is trying to at least take some of that audience that wants their football in that seven-month void. All right, let's step aside. Let's take a break. Seth will give us an update coming up in 10 minutes. Can't wait for this. Always a pleasure to catch up with ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis. He's going to join us on the block coming up. Hang in there. Thank you. Bye-bye.